Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the In For A Penny podcast. I'm Mark Shoffman, a freelance personal finance journalist, and I'm joined by my financial planner friend, Joshua Gersler, who runs an advisory business called The Orchard Practice. If you'd like to know more about us, you can check me out at www.cavendishcontent.com and josh at www.topfs.co.uk. Each episode... Is that very loud? It just came out really loud. <laughs> Each episode, we aim to give our perspective on the world of finance and money and discuss some of the... <laughs> For those listeners who are wondering why we're laughing, Mark's ears have just gone bright red from the sound of my microphone. Hopefully that's not too loud for you lot listening. Carry on. Okay, so we'll discuss some of the issues that crop up in business as well as everyday life. We hope that you'll learn something from our podcast as well as have some fun too. So thank you for downloading this latest episode and for all your positive feedback. I do have a review I'd like to read out. Go for it. If you don't mind, it's from a lovely lady called Maureen from North London. Hi, Maureen. Hi, Maureen. It says, this is in regards to our previous episode, which was titled In Sickness and in Health. Well, I think it's In Sickness and in Wealth, but you go back and listen and you tell me. It's, it's She says, great stuff, easy listening and very informative. Best tips if you want to make sensible financial decisions, get advice from experts. And I totally agree with power naps. I'm working on getting comfortable, relaxing lounges at my office. I nice see if she has any jobs. Apparently, John Lewis and other progressive businesses have this facility for staff's comfort. P.S. As I don't drink beer, I will use the phrase earnings going up by a glass of Chablis. Chablis. Is that how you pronounce it? Is that wine? Is that some sort of yeah. champagne? That's from Maureen. So thank you for listening, Maureen. And cheers to you, whatever you're drinking. Thank you, Maureen. Please do leave your own review if you'd like the show. And we will do our best to read it out. You can leave reviews on our iTunes page via Twitter at InforAPennyPod1. And if you want to email me nice messages and even abuse, just email Mark. That's M-A-R-C at CavendishContent.com. Not too much abuse, say. Tell me how you've been. It's been a month since we recorded our last episode. You're looking a little bit rosy-cheeked. Have you been away? uh, It's just very hot in your recording studio. I'm feeling a bit warm in here. And you've given me a nice cup of tea to drink whilst we uh, we record. I've been very well since I last saw saw you. I've been in Croatia last week, Ah. the lovely place called Dubrovnik. Now, Croatia, of course, is famous for having Game of Thrones film there. That's right. We went into the old city in Dubrovnik, which is... Uh, where they, where, which is King's Landing from right. Game of Thrones. So there was a lot of people getting very excited there. Because that's finished now, hasn't it? That's finished, yeah. We were there the week of the final episode. Yeah. Um, and they now do tours around the old city, Game of Thrones tours, Game of Thrones official merchandise. They're really uh, taking advantage of it, and so should they. Did you Did you go on a tour? Not a Game of Thrones tour. My wife and I, we wandered around the old city for about two or three hours, getting completely lost. Yeah. But it was lovely. It was nice just to be able to mooch around. So were you there because you're a Game of Thrones fan, or what were you doing there? I was there on an open work convention. So okay. for those listeners who don't know what open work is, that's a, a network of financial advisors that I belong to. And they have a convention once a year for their elite advisors. And this year we, uh, we went to Dubrovnik. So we should discuss Game of Thrones because there's a big divide between those who have watched it and are crazy about it and those who haven't seen it. And I'll admit now, I haven't seen it. And you sort of get looked down upon and people think, oh my goodness, what have you been doing for the past however many years it's been on? And you're really missing out. Yeah. Am I miss, missing out? 
I, I I enjoy it. I watch it. I enjoy it. But I'm not one of these fanatical fans. And I was a bit disappointed with the last series. Didn't particularly excite me. Right. But yeah, I still watched it. It's a bit of fun. I'd give it a go if you've got a bit of time on your hands. Can you sum it up in about 30 seconds? Um, it's people fighting each other to take the throne. Right. It's a game of thrones. Yeah. There's violence. There's nudity. Oh. Um, it's a bit of fun. Yeah, give it a go. Is it about potty training? No, it's not that type okay, of thing. It's not that type of throne, okay. And so it's filmed in Croatia, but where's it actually set? Is it is it modern day or I don't actually know if it's past or future because it's just a made up time. I think You're it's a bit a, of a rubbish fan. Yeah, I told you I'm not a fanatic. Okay. I think it's in the past. In the past. And it's not all in Croatia, it's all around the world, but Croatia does have a large part of it. Okay. Did you enjoy the finale? No, not particularly. Did, a bit disappointed. Yeah? Yeah. Are you glad it's you know, I'm a miserable old bugger. Yeah. <laughs> Um, on the day, and ever since, um, there have been a lot of people fussing about what you can say and what you can't say on social media because you might spoil it for people. Do you think people should have seen it by now? And if you're if you're going to discuss it, can, are you free now to to say whatever you like about it without ruining it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So what happened at the end? Um, what happened at the end was that I don't want to say because don't people, ruin it for yeah, me. Exactly. I don't want people that haven't started yet. I don't want to ruin eight okay. seasons of. Uh, of potential television for them. But okay. I did hear a disgusting thing where James Corden, I don't know if you hear, heard about this, you know James Corden, the, yeah. uh, the actor Smithy yep. from uh, Gavin and Stacey, put something online about Game of Thrones and he got a reply from, on Twitter from someone saying, I hope your kids get cancer. Wow. Just because he said what happens in the Game of Thrones. That's mad. Well, it just tells you what idiots are out there on online and the disgusting things people say. That's, uh, that's again, just, that's me being a miserable old bugger. So while you were selling yourself, sitting on various thrones, or not, in Croatia, yeah, um, I went to an awards ceremony. Oh, yes. And well, how did we you get on? We did discuss this, didn't we, about uh, me being a serial award loser in yeah. our previous episode and practising my loser clap. Yeah. So one of the publications I worked for was up for Trade Magazine of the Year. And? And it's won it the previous two years. Okay. So the chances of a hat-trick are very slim. And this year, they were even more slim as we did not win. Oh, oh shame. So I stood at the back with my loser clap. Did, oh, so you did your... You had a chance uh, yeah, to do so your loser clap. Yeah, so you sort of clap, but inside you're reeling, crying. crying. Oh, shame. Yeah. So we've, uh, we're actually up for another two awards. Oh, lovely. We have been... Uh, we are shortlisted for the final in the Money Facts Awards. Yep. What is Money Facts? Money Facts is a website um, giving financial information. We're up for the Protection Advisor of the Year Award. Yep. And we're also up for the Tax and Estate Advisor of the Year Award. Ah. So uh, we'll see how we get on. We're having a fantastic year being nominated for all these awards. How do you get nominated for those? Well, how you get nom- I guess nominated isn't the right word. I-, I should say we're shortlisted as finalists. So uh, you're entered into these awards and then there's a judging panel that decide who who wins. So we've been chosen as one of four or five finalists. Is there a, a ceremony that you go to? Yes, there is. You going to go? Yeah, I might do. Yeah, I think it's in September, the Money Facts, uh, the Money Facts one. Black tie? I don't know. I haven't looked into it. I haven't bought a ticket yet. Okay. But I will do. You've got to buy a ticket if you want to win. No? That, that, that analogy doesn't work then. No. No. It's not the lottery. It's not the lottery. And also, we mentioned you joined a gym. The gym. Not a, a gym. I did join a gym. I think I just joined last time we did the podcast. Yeah. So the plan was to go once a week. So far, I have been sticking to the plan. That's good. That means I've been three or four times. Okay. I went yesterday. How was it? I did a circuits class. Okay. Tiring. It's tiring. Yeah. It's good. I mean, that's the whole point. Yeah. It was good. Um, 
Oh, I was a bit disappointed with the trainer. I won't name him on the. Uh, That's a bit mean if you do on the podcast. Yeah. He set up the class well. Yeah, but there was no motivation from him. Motivation is important, isn't yeah. it? There was yeah. no going around saying, "Go on, you're doing well. Keep going. Last one, or you're not doing that right. Try it like this." He just telling us what to do. It was a bit. Um, didn't really need a trainer. Let's put it like that. What is the balance between men and women in your classes? This one was, I think it was actually half and half. I think there were three men and three women. It was quite an empty uh, an empty class. But I did go to a class that you were in yeah. about two or three weeks ago when we were the only men in a yeah. class of 30 uh, women. Because I'm used to being the alpha male in the group. I and mean, you just turned up. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, all yeah. the testosterone. You were the beta male though, so it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I find that weird because you walk through the gym on the way to your class and you do see men there. Yeah. Uh, who are exercising and obviously turn up and have the time. So I don't think it's that these men are at work and can't come to a gym, but a lot are actively choosing to be doing their own stuff and not going to classes. They like pumping iron, don't they? They like pumping iron. Whereas we were more in a get fit and yeah, work hard type of class. Yeah, I did. I mean, I think I don't know if you asked me about gym gear. Yeah, last time, but I did laugh to myself because I saw one guy in the gym in the most ridiculous strappy top this, is like about me again. this wasn't you okay. he was in like this women's top in the gym showing off his bulging uh muscles oh muscles okay yeah. Yeah. um the things people wear is quite amusing yeah oh what's that sound oh that that is he that sound means it's time for this episode's alien concept where we discuss a piece of business or financial jargon why it makes no sense and how it can be simplified so i'm going to crank up our tombola of terms you're staring into space weirdly there. What did you have a thought? Oh, no, I was looking or at wind. the tombola of terms. Oh, you were looking at Okay, so um, I'm going to crank it up. That's the sound of it. And here it goes. This episode's term is early repayment charge. Fantastic. Just... Should I tell you what I think they are first? Please do. So I've most commonly seen them on loans or, or mortgages on the kind of key tax document that comes with it when you first take it out or see it advertised. And it's a percentage figure that this is how much you have to pay if you repay your loan too early. So to me, it sounds like a penalty for paying back earlier than you should have, which I think is a bit unfair. Why should you be penalised for, in some ways, being frugal for repaying your debt fast? Is that a rhetorical question? It can be, but for the sake of this podcast, I'd like you to answer it. Um, so you're right, an early repayment charge, and the most common time that I come across these is to do with mortgages. It's a charge for repaying your mortgage early. So the lender has agreed to give you a loan for a fixed rate for five years, and after three years, you decide you want to pay it off in full. They will charge you a penalty to do so. Is it unfair well, your your logic is right. It is a bit unfair that if you are sensible with your money and you've managed to save and you want to clear your debt early, then you shouldn't be penalised for it. But then if you look at the other side of the, the coin, so from the lender's point of view, well, they have budgeted, they've decided to lend you a certain amount of money, they've worked out the interest rate they can afford to lend to you at, and if you decide to pay it back early, then they are they would lose out. But banks aren't exactly poor, are they? They're not really going to lose out. No, I mean, I don't feel sorry for banks. And it would be nice if there weren't early repayment charges. But I imagine if they were removed, they'd just claw it back somewhere else. So maybe the initial charges would be higher or the interest rates would be higher. But not all banks charge early repayment charges. No, it's so often, ha- on a, often on fixed rate deals that you have an early repayment charge. 
So if you have a let's let's just make up some numbers here. You have a two year fixed rate mortgage, and apologies if you don't know what that means. We can go into more detail another time. At two percent, the the bank has has borrowed that money from somewhere. Maybe they it's from people's deposit accounts, or they've borrowed it from the Bank of England, or wherever it may be. Um, so they are charging you two percent. If you then say, well, I'm not going to pay you that interest anymore, they've got this money then that they are sitting around doing nothing with. So I get why they have these charges in. They don't ha- often have them on tracker mortgages. But why don't they need it on a tracker mortgage? They have to take their money somehow. So for the bank to lend to you and charge you 2%, they have to get that money from somewhere. So the money doesn't come out of thin air. And most banks or and building societies lend the money that others deposit in the bank. Okay, so if you've got... Pick who do you bank with? Um, HSBC. Okay, so you've put money in your account with HSBC, and they say we are going to pay you one percent interest on your money. That'd be nice. Yeah. So they will probably lend that money out to someone else and charge that someone else two percent to borrow. So that's how the banks make their money on the difference between what they pay you in interest and what someone pays them on borrowing it. I don't quite know how this ties in with the tracker. Part of it, but if you've then put your money in an account with them for five years, I don't know. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of a good answer for this one. We might have to come back to that point. Okay, yeah. but maybe, maybe it just shows that it's it's strange that some can do it, and it, there are some with fixed. There must be some with fixed rates that don't charge early repayment charges. Yeah, so at the moment, Coventry Building Society have got some good mortgage deals where it's a fixed rate with no early repayment charges. Yeah, but they also have some lower interest rates. With the early repayment charges, I see. So you are so to benefit from not having an early repayment charge, the cost to you is you're paying a higher interest rate than someone who's happy to accept the early repayment charge. Another lender who's got some good deals at the moment is um, TSB, who do ten-year fixed-rate mortgages, but after five years, the early repayment charges end. So That's in theory, good. you could keep the rate for ten years, but at any point from year five to ten, get out of it without a penalty. So what are the reasons you might want to? move during a fixed rate move lenders yeah so it could be that rates have gone down in the market and you can get a better deal elsewhere could be that you are moving house and there's a better deal with another lender it might be that you have inherited some money you've saved some money you've had a bonus and you just want to get rid of some of your mortgage early so have you ever had clients who have to pay the early repayment charge so that they can benefit from a lower rate yeah it's it's only very rarely that um, clients will pay the early repayment charge to move to another lender for a like-for-like borrowing. So like-for-like, so like for like, I mean, if they've got £100,000, they just say, can I move from lender A to lender B and get a better rate? We had it about, I would say, about five years ago, it was it was a bit more common as, as rates had dropped dramatically over that period. But at the moment, it's not really happening and rates are so low Anyway, um, sometimes clients move house and for whatever reason, their existing lender isn't the most suitable lender for them. It might be that they can't borrow as much as they need. So we've got to change lender and we have to pay a penalty to change lender. Um, Some lenders are quite good that if you stay with them and even if you're in a tied in to a penalty, if you're near the end of that, they'll they'll just waive the penalty. Oh, really? So I'm arranging a mortgage for a client at the moment who's with Santander and his deal ends in about five months' time. With Santander, if you're in the last six months, if you're moving house but staying with them, 
then they waive the early repayment charges and you can borrow whatever you need to or whatever their rates are today. But that's because you're still going to be giving them money. Correct. But even if rates had gone down and they're losing out, they don't mind. Okay. Muchos gracias, Santander. That's yeah. because they're a Spanish bank. Spanish-owned yeah. bank. Got uh, um, to be careful. Uh, some other times where it's interesting is where you don't have simultaneous sale and purchase. So if you sell your house today, but your purchase isn't happening for another month, some lenders will charge you the early repayment charge when you sell, because you're clearing your mortgage in full on that day. But if you're staying with that lender, when your new mortgage starts, they'll refund you that early repayment charge. Okay. So they have a bit of a leeway as to how long you're allowed. Uh, We've done one recently with Barclays, and I think they allowed the clients, I think it was at that time when we did it, it was about six months. I don't know what their window is now. How high is the early repayment charge usually? Varies from lender to lender and from deal to deal. Can be a, it's usually a percentage, um, and it's usually a higher percentage in a longer fixed mortgage. Uh, so using Santander as an example, again, I think in their five-year fixed rates, they'll charge you 5% penalty to get out of it. Um, other lenders might charge you 1%. So to put some uh, pounds and pence there, if it's a 100 grand mortgage, 5% of that is 5,000 pounds, 1% is 1,000 pounds. So in some circumstances, if you're going to a much lower rate, it could be worth paying the early repayment charge if it's just 1,000 pounds, but you find a deal that's saving you, I don't know. £2,000. Correct, yeah, you're absolutely right. And one of the things we'll do is part of uh, finding a mortgage for a client, we'll run those calculations and decide should they stay with the existing lender or would they be better off changing lender and paying the penalty? We'll add all of that up. Most lenders allow you to overpay some of your mortgage each year without a penalty. Yes. Do you know what the typical uh, amount is? Is it 10%? That's right, yeah. So so with most lenders, you can overpay 10% of your mortgage without penalty. So going back to that question you said before, if people are being frugal and sensible and clearing their debts, should they be penalised? Well, the lenders recognise that and allow you to overpay that amount each year without a penalty. And so most how- people, sorry to interrupt, most people won't overpay more than 10% a year anyway. I, mean, I guess if, you're, if you've got a lot of money and savings rates are quite low, it's probably quite tempting to overpay your mortgage. So I don't know, is 10% limiting? Because you know, if you depends how much money you've got, yeah. and everyone's circumstances are different. And normally, from a financial point of view, this is a pure financial point of view. This is not advice, but normally you'd be better off investing that money rather than clearing your debt. However, from an emotional point of view, most people would prefer to clear their debts than invest it. If you are overpaying, is there ever a risk of accidentally hitting the early repayment charge? Most yeah, most lenders won't monitor it, so you need to. Either speak to your advisor or call the lender up and ask them exactly how much you can pay and make sure you keep notes of when the dates are, how much you can pay each year so you don't get hit by a penalty. Are, are people ever put off by the early repayment charge when they take out a mortgage? Sometimes we know our clients won't be keeping the mortgage for a long time. So it could be that they are planning to move into a property and it's only going to be for six months, a year year and a half for whatever reason so we'll do a deal for them without an early repayment charge or it could be they know they're going to have some cash coming in at that point so yeah people are put off by it if they know they're going to overpay but people other people won't, won't tend to look at it they're just if they think they're going to keep the property and not overpay they'll just keep it i'll tell you one other thing actually which is probably useful for our listeners is that when you remortgage make sure don't start your new mortgage until the early repayments charge period has ended on your current mortgage. 
So nice. often the solicitor who's arranging the remortgage will send you a questionnaire and it'll say, when do you want your mortgage to start? And they give you three choices. A specific date, you could put it in, as soon as possible, or when my current deal ends. And I would always suggest you tick the box that says when my current deal ends, because otherwise the chances are you could get hit with a penalty without knowing about it. Wouldn't the, should the solicitor know that? Should they be checking that? They should check it, and if you pick a specific date, they should then say to you, do you know if you complete on this date, you're going to pay a penalty? But I've had clients where the solicitor set completion for a certain date, and I've had to say to the solicitor, please, can you move it? I don't want my clients to pay £10,000 penalty. That's bad. Yeah, that is bad of the solicitor. That's the value you get from having an advisor who can keep an eye on those things for you. Is that, um, because I've signed with uh when you get three legals with a bank they often use three 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 yeah sorry three, gratis yeah yeah three legals with a bank they often choose terms that aren't necessarily the most proactive um and whereas if you go and find them yourself and someone you're actually paying maybe a bit more they're a bit more active and helpful i agree a lot of these free legal firms don't provide a let's say a personal service that you or i might provide to our clients they just do the job as quickly as they can doesn't mean they're doing it badly but they might not be getting the extra mile and it's important to check for early repayment charges and other penalties i imagine yeah correct and that was this episode's alien concept if you'd like us to throw in any terms into our tombola please do contact us via the usual channels at twitter at in for a penny pod one or email me go on then email me go at, on then at uh, mark m-a-r-c at cavendish that mark with a c is it yeah that's why i've changed it because last time <laughs> i got a bit of hassle from you so I've adapted the way I do it, and I've even adapted it when I speak. I'm going to give my email, and then I'll do that. And so Mark with a s- no Mark M A R C at CavendishContent.com because last time we were speaking about the way I'm giving my address, email yeah. address, and uh, we mentioned it's confusing because I go Mark with a C, which of course then someone as jolly and funny <laughs> as you would say, Fuck. Cut. Yeah, yeah. I still giggled okay. myself thinking about that. <laughs> so now I spell it out. It still doesn't work because. I found now people are having an issue with Shoffman. So that C that I'm spelling out, M-A-R-C, is floating its way into my surname. So people will write... Shoffman? Yeah. So people will then write an email, mark.shoffman. Yeah. But S-C-H. Okay. Uh, and then it just doesn't get to me because it's... I think you're just Shoffman. not... Expl- you've got to work out a way to get your address, your name spelt clearly. Yeah. Or just become better known. Yeah. And everyone will be, oh, Shoffman. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah. Speaking of um, the way people are addressed... This segues into our penny through your thoughts quite nicely. And I hadn't even set this up. I want to talk about email etiquette. Okay. This was actually suggested by one of our listeners. So this was from Gideon Krotowski, an avid listener. Who, hi, Gideon. Hi, Gideon. Thanks for listening. Uh, who uh, said we should discuss email etiquette. Okay. So I get quite a few emails, as I'm sure you do. And too many. Too many. And there's a variety of ways you get addressed. Uh, so there's the um, good old, hi, Mark, dear Mark. But I found it's regularly got a lot less informal. People will say, hey. And if they don't know, even if they don't, you'll be like, hey, dude, or hey, bro. <laughs> Is that what you get? Yeah. Hey, bro. Yeah. Or stuff that just seems really inappropriate. I've seen somewhere um, someone has emailed a journalist with the subject line, look what someone's written about you. Okay. And then they'll look at the email and be like, be like oh, I've got your attention now. Good. Here's this press release I want to send you. Yeah. Which just seems very unprofessional. How, how professional do you think an email should be in the business world? It's an interesting one because I don't know if there are guidelines, like with a letter, you're yeah. supposed to put dear so-and-so, yours sincerely, yours faithfully, all that type of thing. Do you know the um, correct way 
of stru- structuring. So let's say it's a letter. Oh, letter, yeah. Let, let's say an email is a modern version of a letter. Yeah. So if you were doing an email, yeah. you were saying, dear sir, yeah. how would you sign it off? Uh, I'll get this one right because my wife, Mrs. G, told me this one. If it's yeah. dear, the person, if you know who you're writing to, you would write yours sincerely. If you don't know who you're writing to, you'd write yours faithfully. Yeah. And hopefully I'm right. Hopefully she's listening and I will get a pat on the back uh, next time I see her. But that doesn't happen. I mean, I see her regularly, by the way. (laughs) I mean, after she's listened to it. Okay. That doesn't happen in the email world, though, does it? The most common, I think, is kind regards. Yeah. And I always sign my emails off kind regards. What about you? Are you a kind regards? I am kind regards, but I think increasingly that sounds a bit passive-aggressive. Okay. There's no aggressive in it. Where's the aggressive? It's just kind of sarcastic. Well, it depends on what you said. But kind regards. Kind regards. So what would you put? All the best is where I've gone to now. TTYL? No, that's, some people do shorten these or BY, not BY, B, BW, best wishes, BW, because okay. they're so busy, it takes so long to spell out best wishes, they'll just write BW. That's oh, just lazy, isn't it? Yeah. I start my emails, yeah. I do high mark. You go high, not dear. If you, if no, I don't, of... just dear doesn't seem right to me in an email. Okay. It seems too formal, even though it is a formal communication, dear yeah. doesn't work for me in, a, in an email. I think high is the correct etiquette for Even email. if you've never met me. Correct. And you'd say Mark and not Mr. Shuffman. Well, it depends on what, yeah. um, you know, what the context is. Yeah. Um, How would you spell Shuffman? S-C-H. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's one thing that I believe is that every email, should you should address the person you're writing to. So even if, even if you have a conversation back and forth, I would put hi Mark at the top of every email rather than just the response. Yeah. I think that's just the right way to do things. Also, when you come back to things in the future and you look at it, it's not right without it being addressed properly, even at the time it might be appropriate. So it just looks like a text message. Yeah. One thing I always find funny with emails is when people get the name wrong. Yeah. happens so often where people either misspell a name or don't read it properly if it's someone you don't know very well. So a couple of funny ones we've had in the office. We had a lady called Nida working for us and she got an email, Hi Nora. I don't know how you get from Nida to Nora. Yeah. Uh, we had a girl called Bobby that worked for us for a bit. She got once, which uh, was Hi Booby. <laughs> Everyone in the office like that one. The, the funny ones or the hard ones are when people have two potential first names for the name, like a George Michael type thing, and they send the email, Hi Michael. Yeah. That's always a good one as That's well. Good. I often obviously get Hi Mark with a K. Oh, gee, oh. Yeah. We obviously haven't been listening to the podcast. Exactly. So, Cock. <laughs> K-A-L-K. Hi, Mark, M-A-R-K. Yeah, okay. I don't correct people anymore, but now sometimes when I do reply, I'll go, I'll make sure I've written Mark at the bottom and then they will come back often and apologise, which I think well, is that's nice. the, I was going to say, do you think if you get a name wrong, you should apologise or you should just ignore it and I just think, carry on with it right next time? I think you should apologise because it also gives you common ground as something to laugh about. Oh, you spelled my name wrong. Yeah, oh. shared connection. Okay. So your intro, you're going for dear Mark. No, I'm not. No? I'm going high mark. High mark, sorry, hi. You're sorry, you are. You're going for high mark. Yeah. The body of your text. Yeah. Lots of white spaces I think you need in an email. Okay. Not don't put everything in one paragraph. Space it out nicely. Make it easy for the person to if you want them to read your email, yeah. make it easy on the eye. What about capital letters? Is that shouty? As in uh, well, I always have them at the beginning of a sentence yeah. <laughs> for a, a noun. Yeah. Yes, what I was taught by my mum, who uh, used to be a teacher. Yep. Um, well, you may just mean putting the whole email in capitals. Like bits, if if you're excited about something or as if you want to be assertive or just... I do think p- all capitals can come across a bit, to use your term, passive-aggressive. Yeah. I would try and just write it in normal... What's it called? Lowercase? 
Yeah, yeah. lowercase. Yeah. I often start high or dear or two. I mean, I say hope all as well. Yeah. Which I think is a bit presumptuous because you don't know that the cat may have just died. No, but you're just saying you hope all as well. Yeah. You're not saying all as well. You're yeah. Not, you're saying I hope all as well. If you generally want everything to be well for that person, yeah. that is fine. Or you could just say, hi, Mark, then go straight into your email. Is that too brash? Because you would just walk into a room and go, hi, I want a mortgage. As you might, you might do. Um, is it? Yeah, it, it depends on the conversation with the person. It's yeah. nice to have a little bit of an intro in yeah. the, it, to start the conversation off. Doesn't have to be. I hope you're well. Because I see. It some... could be. I hope you had a good time at your awards dinner and won the awards. Sorry yeah. to bring that up. <laughs> it wasn't even dinner. I have some weird ones where I go, "Hi, Mark." Uh, horrible we- weather we're having. They'll do, just start talking about weather, which I think is weird. Very British. Yeah. Or they'll do, oh, I can't believe it's only Wednesday, which I find really weird because everyone knows how the week works. Yeah. So- <laughs> well, it was Tuesday yeah. yesterday. So exactly. Or you don't like, really want to do business with them. You mentioned kind regards to sign off. Yeah. Every time? I now have kind regards in my signature, so it yeah. comes out automatically. I, yeah, signatures, I think, is another issue. Okay. Because you do, you just often see automatically at the bottom someone having kind regards. And so they haven't bothered to even finish typing out their own email. They just are either too lazy or too busy to finish off their email. What does that say about how much they care about, about you? About me? Not you, you no, personally. I've got it in. So, yeah, I know so, you do. But the reason I've got it in is if yeah. I know I'm going to sign every email, kind regards, yeah. Josh, why have I got to type it? I get so many emails, I've got to send so many a day. Yeah. Why not have it come up for me? You might want to adapt your... No, so I can adapt it. It will yeah. come up, kind regards, Josh. Yeah, if I want to adapt it, I'll adapt it. But, but it's, it's going to take you longer to adapt it because you've got to go into settings and change your signature. No, it's just you could just type over it. Just press delete and type Can over you? it. Yeah. Okay. Fine. How do you sign yours off? Well, I'll vary it. So if I lots of love, Marky. <laughs> no. Okay. I it depends how well I know the person. So if it's the first time I'm emailing, emailing them, yeah, I'll start with kind regards. But then I'll work up to all the best, many thanks. Because I, yeah, I think kind regards has too much formality and can sound distant. You're nodding, but I sense you don't agree. For the benefit of the tape, I am nodding DCI Shoffman. <laughs> I just think it, no, do- it, it doesn't you're sound You're right. It's it probably better to mix it up for every person to think yeah. what's appropriate for the situation. But you don't do that in letters, really. You're doing yours sincerely every you're time. Right. Yeah. I get emails from uh, salespeople as well. Um, hi, we've, we're great at websites. We notice you've got a good website and we want to do this, that, and the other for you. And I, I delete it and then I get another one a week later. I notice you didn't reply to my email. Is everything <laughs> all right? Yeah, just, well, I don't know you. I'm not going to, if it's not important to me, I'm not going to reply. Yeah, and a lot of the time people will email me and I'll say, let me know if this, is, if this is of interest. And I'll keep emailing and saying, is this of interest? Let me know. And I'm thinking, well, you asked me to let you know if it is of it, interest. It obviously wasn't of interest because yeah, I didn't, I didn't you know. reply. Yeah. yeah. That's fair enough. How long after an email is it all right to follow it up? Follow it up? To follow it up. Wait, what do you mean? If you are not, if you haven't had a reply? Yeah. Well, I think it depends on what you're doing. If you've sent an urgent email that needs a reply by five o'clock, yeah. and three hours later, it's half past four and you haven't had a reply, follow yeah. it up. If it's not time pressured, at someone's own time. I try and reply to emails as quick as I can. But because there's so many that come in, try and make sure I get back to everyone within about two days. And I, and I always say to clients, um, if it's urgent, call me. If you're not in a rush, send an email and I'll reply when I can. It's nice. But if it's urgent, just call. Yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? A lot of people don't like speaking to people. I, I think that's the problem. People are so used to electronic communication now. Yeah. They've forgotten how to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Now you stop talking. Is that to be funny? This is very like, dead <laughs> air on the podcast. You know. yeah. The guy that looks after our website, I... 
try and call him and he doesn't answer the phone. It's only yeah. a recent thing that lasts like six months to a year. It doesn't get back to you. And he emails because he's computer, he's techie. He only wants to do it on emails. Yeah. But I'm not the type of person that wants to do I want to have a conversation, yeah. get things done, and then that's it, rather than go back and forth with emails. Yeah. So that can be quite frustrating. I can. I think it's millennials. This younger generation apparently don't like voicemails. Have you read that? Do you hear that? What, don't like leaving voicemails? Or receiving. They'll never check a voicemail. Okay. Well, don't have voicemail then. Yeah. You can deactivate it. Can you? That might be the sensible thing. Yeah, turn off your mailbox. Fine. And that was this week's A Penny for Your Thoughts. So if you're like Gideon and you've got a topic you'd like us to discuss, any business or social issues, you can get in touch. Uh, email mark with a C at cavendishcontent.com. Cook. What'd you say? Nothing. <laughs> you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter at Mark Shoffman. Yeah. I'm on Twitter at Josh Gersler. You can send me a message there. You can follow us uh, at Orchard for Advice at In for a Penny Pod One. Lovely. So we got time for anything else this episode? Do you want me to give you a quick stats update? Yeah, go I on. I know we discussed um, last time where some of our listeners are from. Yes, so we, we, are we gone any further around the world? Yeah, we, we're going to do a shout out now to um, some of our fans. On what countries are new for us this month? So we have, we're going to say Shalom to... That's Israel, I know that's this Israel. one. Israel, good. Drastut. Well, I know that. That's Ukrainian. <laughs> Only because I saw you type it into your screen just now. So according to Google Translate, Zudrastrut is hello in Ukrainian. So hello to our listeners in Ukraine. So we're actually, this is quite good, isn't it? We're getting listeners around the world. We've reached Israel and Ukraine this month. Great. And Australia. I've got an aunt in Australia. I've got a suspicion about that. You said you thought it was her last... last Hi, Auntie Helen. (laughs) No, that's weird. And then uh, the rest is the UK and the United States. Do you have any family in in America? Um, I think my mum... I do have some like just some cousins, second or third cousins. Yeah, could, could be them, but I mean yeah. the amount of listeners that have downloaded America it can't be all of them. There must be others as well. <laughs> Good. Well, do um, keep listening. Do pass the pod all around the world. Yes. Yeah, so can. if you're a new listener, we ask you to kindly pass the pod. If you've got one friend, family member, colleague, neighbour, please, uh, when they've got their phone out in front of them, show them how to download or subscribe to In for a Penny, and they can enjoy the uh, the fun. Great, and hopefully learn something along the way. Let's hope so. So that is all we've got time for in this episode. Please remember that anything discussed in this program should not be viewed as financial advice. If you do need support, though please contact me or visit the Orchard Practice website at www.topfs.co.uk Do feel free to leave us any feedback and post any financial issues you'd like us to cover but for now thank you for being in for a penny